It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. Michael Kiss. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat. And Benjamin Solak. How old? Are you? It's the Kiston Solak Show. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Right here on BGN Radio. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show, your home for the best Eagles analysis in the business. This is episode 10. We made it, Ben. Brought to you by the fine folks at BGN Radio. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my ex work for InsideThePylon.com. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, I am joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Seven Year Streak, without a bad day. He is Benjamin Solak hey. of Bleeding Green Nation. And NDTScouting.com is where you can find his draft work. You can follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, big board fight. Let's big go. Board How fight. you doing, brother? I'm doing very well, Mike. <laughs> Every day is a good day to be alive. Thank you so much for asking. Big board fight. I'm ready to go. I'm armed up. <laughs> Usually you give me a longer intro than that, but we're very, very excited. I have sent Ben my top 50 big board. He just unleashed his top 100 big board for NDTscouting.com. We are going to be getting into all that stuff. We'll try to find some fits for the Eagles around that, the 20 to 40 value area. But first, uh, I'll qualify that when I do my big board, I throw it together a little bit a different way. I have my quarterbacks on the side. So just imagine everyone is just pushed down four spots, basically, because I'm not going to put a quarterback at 27 like Ben did with Sam Darnold. Excuse you. I put him at 36 or some nonsense. 37. No, you did. Yeah, yeah, you had him real far down. But yeah, so kind of push everyone down for me. But it really, it, it doesn't matter. Ben, man, do you want to get right into this thing? Like, is there any, I, I see yes, you dissecting I want to get board. into it and I want to call you out immediately for being a coward. <laughs> Why is that? Because our well, what, what was that? Uh, do you have a guess? Is it because our top tens are so similar? Like you don't feel like I, I went out on a limb? No, it's because you have Minka Fitzpatrick down as an athlete instead of just calling yeah. him either a safety or a corner. Choose, make a decision, be a he's man. A- <laughs> Let's go. He is a he is a corner to me. I would start him at outside corner. Right, well, you can't start him at athlete because that's not a position on the field. <laughs> I can have him be my match corner because he can go to the slot. You know what I mean. You can do all types of coverages with Minka. That's what I really like about him, and that's why he's the number two guy on my board. So number one for me, Quentin Nelson, guard out of Notre Dame. 
Number two, Mika Fitzpatrick out of Alabama. Uh, Roquan Smith, Georgia. And then it gets to the point where I have to start explaining things, Ben. Yeah. Do you see number four? Oh, yeah. No, trust me. I See, the thing is, we've talked enough about this that I'm not, like, you know, as jazzed about it as I may have been in another time. I still think you're drunk. I still think that when you're watching <laughs> Saquon Barkley tape, you were super drunk. But it's fine. I know. We've already... This is not, like, novel to me. That's why I'm not worked up about it. So, for the gentle listeners at home, I have Darius Geis as my fourth overall player and my RB1. My fifth overall player is Saquon Barkley from Penn State. This is not necessarily a knock on Saquon. This is just me expressing my love for Darius Geis. A very violent runner. Came in at 224 at the combine, which which is the weight you want to see. Because he was listed at like 213 or something like that. I'm like, there's no way this guy is 213 with the way he runs. And you look at his 2016 tape. If you kind of put the two, a majority of the 2017 tape aside. And you look at the 2016 tape. You look at like the Texas A&M game. And that was a good game. He's masterful. Uh, his vision is fantastic, which is where I think Barkley really struggles. Mental processing. He takes the path of least resistance all the time. Uh, you don't know how well that's going to translate. He takes a lot of runs for losses, zero yards, negative one yards, so on and so forth, because he's always trying to create. But that's the thing. That's the rub with Barkley. That's his best trait is his ability with his athletic profile to be able to make something out of nothing. And the blocking at Penn State wasn't exactly the the greatest thing in the world. I mean, he had Mike Gusecki blocking, you know, edge defenders for him. So that's a bad thing. But but what are you looking at me like that for, Ben? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 no. I just like, we always got either blocking Penn State and everything like that. And like the whole vision conversation. Firstly, I think Geis can get tunnel vision. And I don't think we talk about it enough. I think that if Geis, who is a 4-4 athlete, wants to use it every so often and take the outside, I would be really psyched about that. I think sometimes Geis is, it gets a little bit too Marshawn Lynchy. Like he's like, oh, running is about contact. And then he just doesn't go into daylight and it drives me a little nuts. But he's still, you know, first time grade on my board, he's still an excellent yeah. runner. Let me ask you this. Better runner, Geis or Barkley? Geis. Better receiver, Barkley or Geis? It's Barkley. I mean, that's mm-hmm. no question. What's more important in today's NFL? I mean, look. Mm-hmm. Are you, are, are you about to make a Fitzpatrick athlete me on this answer? Is that what's going to happen? Yes, I am, actually, because I had this conversation with the guys from inside the pylon in Mobile, and I said to them, what if I told you that Darius Geis was running back one and Saquon Barkley was weapon one? Yes, you are make a Fitzpatrick athleting me right now. That's what's happening. Yes, You're I am. You're just going to make... That's what I told you I was going like, to. All right, like, this is a bad... Like, uh, this is a take that not a lot of people have. So to hedge it, I'm Michael Kist, and I'm going to make up a new position for NFL draft prospects. No, I'm just saying that, that the way I would use Barkley is different than the way I would use Geis. And I, and I think that as a runner, Geis is the better pure runner. If I'm handing the ball off 20 times a game to each of them, I would rather hand it off to Geis. The team's got to use Barkley, right? And they got to have him in the right scheme. They can't have him in his own scheme where he's got to make quick decisions. They got to go, here's your lane. If the lane's not there... Go create. I think Geis can do a little bit of both. So that versatility as a runner, that scheme versatility as a runner helps Geis' score as well. Again, this isn't a knock on Barkley because I'm only saying negative things about him right now. He's a dynamic athlete. And if he actually decides to use his power, I think he can be that back that we're, everyone wants to wants him to be when they watch him on tape. And, and he is still an amazing runner. But I don't want to get too hung up on this because I'm already feeling the comments flooding in, calling me an idiot over Barkley. Uh, anything else for you stand out in the uh, in the top ten there? Because it's pretty it's pretty standard. Derwin James, Bradley Chubb, uh, Jair Alexander, Tremaine Edmonds, and Isaiah Wynn round out my top ten. Have the quarterbacks on the side. 
Uh, what about you, Ben? Which games did you watch with Tremaine Edmonds? I watched two from the early and then two from later on in the season. And the ones later on in the season, mm-hmm. let me see. Well, let me pull it up. Was Miami one of them? I think yeah, Miami was they later had on Miami, in the season. Like the- yeah, and Virginia, Virginia was the other. So Virginia, Miami later on. Okay. And that's what impressed me about his game. You could see the transition for him. Right. Like it seemed like he was processing things much better than he was. Because when I, when I watched the first two games, I didn't see anything real special. I saw an athlete. I saw an athlete that looked like he was a little confused out there. Is that the same thing that you saw, that kind of transition for him? I mean, early in the season, I would say confused. I would say more so hesitant. Like, he's a guy, like, you know, he was thinking. And then I think by the end of the season, he was playing on his feet, and it was special. And it was a lot of fun to watch. And I think that, yeah, I don't think Edmonds is as smart of a backer as Roquan Smith. But I don't think we see Edmonds people often. Like, I'll put it to you this way. When Anthony Barr came out, we were saying... Wow, Anthony Barr, like what a crazy mold. What an insane athlete. He's nuts. And Edmonds came out and we're now saying, okay, Barr, but like he's better than Barr was coming out. Better athletically. Yeah. Which as a guy who tends to shy away from, oh, he's an incredible athletic prospect. We can coach him up, so on and so forth. That's not my mold. I'm all in on Edmonds. So, you know, that that should tell yeah. you what I think of his film. I, I, again, I, I pulled this in the last podcast. I promise I won't make this a habit. Your boy in October was saying, listen, if this 19-year-old comes out, he's LB1. I don't care what Roquan Smith does. That being, Roquan <laughs> Smith had an amazing playoff, so that kind of screwed oh, me a little yeah. bit. Um, but Edmonds, I've, I've been <laughs> on the train for a while now. Big, big, big fan. Yeah, we've been talking about him for a while now, and, and I love his upside. And he he flew up my board from where he was earlier in Do the season. Do you remember sure. that beautiful time of year, probably like uh, October, November, where it was like, hey, the Eagles might take this guy, like, you know, back end of the first round because they're going to be there. And yep. I was like, oh, great. He'll be around like 2024, right? And then obviously, good news, Eagles aren't picking there. They're picking 32. Bad news, Edmund is not falling out of the top 10. So oh, there you go. But that was, right. a, that was a fun period of time. Yeah, I agree. Okay, Ben, I am looking at your board right now, and there is a clump of four guys. Okay. That if we're sitting there at 32, I am interested in those four guys. Do you know who those guys are that I'm eyeing right now? Rashawn Evans at 29 is one, I'm assuming, right? Ronald Jones at 25 would be another, right? Connor Williams at 22. I'm just kind of looking around. Mm-hmm. And then who else? Could you maybe be interested in Duke Edgefort at 31 or Tyrell Crosby at 35? Are those guys you're, you're thinking of? Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of spread out from what I'm looking at. But just just the, the ones I was really looking at, DJ Moore at 42, Justin Reed at 41, Cortland Sutton at 40, and Dante Pettis at 39 is are, are some guys I think the Eagles could be interested mm-hmm. in. Not necessarily Pettis at 32, if he's a guy that falls, because he's not, I don't know if you saw this, Ben, he's not doing his pro day workouts, and he didn't what? run. Pettis is not working out? No. That's bad for Pettis. That's yeah, good for the bad. team that gets Pettis late at, yes. a, at a bonus, at a, uh, at a discount, excuse me. But that's a dang shame. That's awful, man. Dante Pettis blew up. So, like, recent rule change in the NFL draft world is that at your pro day, you know, school hosts a pro day, put all the NFL draft eligible players, they get to work out. People who didn't make the combine get to go through all the combine testing in front of scouts. But one of the recent things that we've seen now colleges can do is they can have a junior pro day where guys who will be going out in the future can work out and NFL scouts are there and they kind of can start to build up a hype train for themselves. And Pettis, what, he jumped over 40 in the vertical. He ran 4-4 something in the 40. Yeah. 
41 inches, he jumped. He had a great junior yeah. day. And so the fact that he has been unable to test this entire process because of a nagging ankle injury is is a dang shame. So that sucks for Dante. And if he falls and, you know, our draft capital is going to be a very fluid situation and we're going to be looking for a return guy. Kenyon Barner is someone that we brought back off the streets. But Dante Pettis, what did he have, like eight return touchdowns last year? Something crazy, like broke a record. Like that guy yeah. has instant value on special teams. Uh, he's a pretty savvy route runner, too. I really like his game. I'm having an issue where to put him. He, he landed outside of my top 50 for right now, but I'm revisiting a few of these wide receivers that are kind of giving me trouble, like Equinemia St. Brown, who I have no clue what to do with. And I just don't want to get Juju Smith by him because I was lower on Juju Smith last year than I should have been. I should have bet on the potential because Juju was young as well. But yeah, like the guys you mentioned, Rashawn Evans at, t- at 29. Love him. Love him for the Eagles, especially because I think that Bradham's not going to be coming back. And that's going to be a guy that we seriously have to consider if it gets there. Ronald Jones at running back. You know I love him. I'll pound the table for him all day. The problem comes is we need, and you agree with me on this, offensive tackle is a big need for this. And we look at our boards. Connor Williams is your first tackle on the board at 22. And he's at 26 for me. Tyrell Crosby is at 50 for me, and you have Tyrell Crosby at 35, so there's a little bit of separation there, but that's two offensive tackles that I can see in the top 35. They're going to get pushed up the board be- before we pick, most likely. Would you agree on that? Can I break some news on the podcast? Mm-hmm. Akeem Tlaib just got traded to the Rams. Akeem Tlaib Whoa. and Marcus Peters are in the same secondary. They're gonna... Oh my... They're going to... They're gonna kill what? somebody. <laughs> How many chains are going to get snatched and how many balls James are going to get James Palmer had it first. The Broncos have agreed to trade Akeem to leave to the Rams. Yo, the Vikings, the Falcons, Jeez. the Rams, and the Eagles. And maybe even still the Saints if Drew Brees continues to not feel like time. What? Yeah, are you s- that's incredible. Dude, okay. Breaking news, Akeem Tlaib is being traded to the Rams. We don't know anything about compensation yet. That's all. I could foresee multiple offensive tackles who did not make your board or my board being first round players because of the NFL. So actually, okay, Colton Miller, Colton Miller did make my board out of UCLA. This is the yeah. testing hero. We know that athleticism at that position is, uh, I should say elite athleticism is mouthwatering, right? It's really, really exciting. Yeah. Colton Miller is huge. We've talked about him before. We'll probably go more in depth with him uh, as we go through the season on the podcast. But Colton Miller is a guy that I can envision being there. Philadelphia makes sense for Colton Miller, if you ask me. He needs time to work. Incredible athlete. Brian O'Neill also fits this mold out of Pitt. And I think O'Neill, the converted tight end, is a lot further behind Miller on the developmental spectrum. But we were hearing first-round chatter for O'Neill before the Senior Bowl. Now, his Senior Bowl showed out that he's probably not there yet, but he's still a guy you could hear whispers around there. And then also, there are guys who are third-round players for me, tackles, who could still be interesting. I know that Martinez Rankin has fans around the league. I know that Jamarco Jones has fans around the league. And then, yeah, the big one, Mike McGlinchey. And I cannot tell you, Michael, how many people have asked me about my 117th-ranked player. Not on my top 100 board, Mike McGlinchey. And here's the thing. I I firmly, I I, I totally recognize the fact that I'm going to be lower on McGlinchey than almost anybody. I hear you. Every day that I've done offensive tackle evals, and the more and more I learn about evaling offensive tackles, the more feet matter to me, right? If you go through all my entire grading system for prospects, it's very rare to find a a percent of a game, like an aspect of a game, a trait that counts for more than 15% of the film score. And for tackles, feet and footwork is 25%. Okay, it is 
by yep. far the most impactful single trade at any position, anything that I grade. If you don't consistently have good feet, it's going to be very difficult to grade out as a good tackle on my board. Mike McGlinchey does not consistently have good feet. And it's very important to note, Mike McGlinchey has a, a, he can kick slide and he has a smooth kick slide and he can get to his landmarks. I hear you, but he does not consistently gain depth. And it's why you see him struggle with speed. And then he, speed, right. Yep. And even if you are a McGlinchey fan and you think that he's, he's fine getting to his, his depth points, fine getting to his landmarks and he can steer edge he can steer edge pressure around the peak of the pocket even if you're a fan of him you you i think even his most ardent supporters would struggle to say that mcglinchey has good balance right he is not a well-balanced guy and for god's sakes he's six eight six eight guys aren't usually well balanced one of the reasons why colton miller hmm. gets hyped that he does because colton miller's six eight he's got pretty decent balance to be honest but mcglinchey does not have yeah. great balance okay and i think that's a common take and so when you have a guy with poor footwork and bad balance what happens well once he abandons his his kick slide and his hips are no longer parallel to the line of scrimmage he has to start opening that door and turning and he enters a little bit more of a back pedal a little bit more of a vertical set he's screwed hmm. because any smart nfl rusher is going to convert is going to threaten him with speed force him to open up hard and then convert speed to power and knock him on his butt you saw it happen so to me yeah. like i think mcglinchey can be a good guard if you're okay with having a 6'8 guard, right? I think McGlinchey right. is, a, is a guy who, you know, and, and this is a common item of friction I have with, with the offensive line community and offensive tackle evaluators. People at offensive tackle want prevailing thought is length and size. And in my evaluations, I like footwork and balance and I don't value yeah. length and size. Right. I, I, it's still important. Length helps. You know what I mean? Like Orlando Brown still made my top 100. Mike, one of the worst athletes he ever doggone seen at the combine. Why? Cause he's so yeah. stinking long that it'll, it, it helps a ton, right? Like 35 inch arms or whatever he's got. Orlando Brown, in my opinion, has better footwork than a Mike McGlinchey, which is not a common take. Right. And I understand that, but offensive tackle footwork is key. If you can't get your feet set in the NFL, you will get thrown around by these exceptional athletes and, on the edge and to me that's what i envision happening to mcglinchey you put him in a box you put him you know at guard you let him work just inside of his cylinder and he doesn't have to set his base as much and build a house he doesn't have to enter a kick slide i think he can be effective for you there i would love to be wrong mike mcglinchey seems like a wonderful young man he didn't grade out well for me neither did marco jones neither did jacumo okoro for out of western michigan the all three of them i have footwork problems that make me very worried about their projection of the nfl that's that yeah, a core for it basically to me kind of looked like Vitae the way he waist bends. He had, I liked his promise coming into the season. It just seemed like he fixed or improved on absolutely none of that. So he's not a guy I'm looking for for the Eagles at all. And I'm kind of with you on McGlinchey. I'm probably not as low as you are. He's not going to be in my top 60, my top 70. So I'm kind of with you there as well. So one for one, I'm going to pick one that I hate on your board. Find one that you hate from my board. Will and not we'll try take to make long. A case. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, I hate James Washington, Oklahoma State, at 30. Wait, you don't have James Washington on this board? You're drunk. No, sir. Okay. No, sir. No, sir. You're a four-five-four wide receiver that doesn't have take-the-top-off speed, and your trump card in college was take-the-top-off speed. Four-five-four is not DJ Chark 439. You have DJ Chark at 41. Uh, he's going to be an immediate vertical threat, which James Washington is not going to be. And he's going to give you return value as well. And while you develop that vertical threat of DJ Chark, everything else is going to come along nice. I got a, I got a, a development plan for DJ Chark. And you don't have one for mind. James Washington who ran three routes with Oklahoma State? No, he's stiff. He's too stiff. Oh, that's he's, a high, lie. he's high-hipped. He's too stiff. Okay, uh, so I'll give you this. 
He is a very... You ran a 7113 cone. He is a very peculiar build. I 100% will give you that. <laughs> no, absolutely. Okay, will. okay. No, no doubt. Like, yeah. he, is, he is a very interestingly built young man. And, and watch, He's built like a running back. Yeah, watching him on the 40, I was like, well, I'm so confused, right? Because he had a great, like, profile <laughs> v- view of him, like, just in, like, you know, yeah. Under Armour. And it was like, wow, you're weird. <laughs> James Washington, firstly is going to be one of the better receivers that we evaluate getting off of press. And that's one of the most important things to me in a wide receiver evaluation. So that's one. I value that too. I agree. Right. I, I, he's pretty good at it. I'll give you that. Yep. Two, being a deep threat is like 20% deep speed, which 454 is fine. Uh. 60% tracking the football, locating it. And then like another like 20% getting appropriate leverage and attacking the ball at its highest point. And so even if you don't like James Washington's long speed, to me, that's one of the best ball trackers in this class. And then what yeah. we have seen is that he is exceptional at positioning himself to make a play on the ball. And he had to deal with many, many underthrows from Mason Rudolph, and he did a fantastic job coming back to them, and he understands how to out-leverage defenders. So to me, he will be a fine deep threat in that way. Where else does he win? Right, 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 right. So, okay, where else does DJ Chark win? Don't give me that nonsense. Also, <laughs> James Washington does very well to manipulate his root stems and open up throwing windows, in my opinion. He was not asked to do this very much in Oklahoma State. It was a big gap in his evaluation. Right. You could go back three months ago on, on my account and find, I think Marcel Aitman might be better than James Washington takes, all right? Like, I was not big on Washington film. I was not. When I was able to watch him at the Senior Bowl and he was able to answer questions of one, yes, I can turn around corners to generate throwing windows. And two, I do address the football consistently at its highest point. I do attack. I do have strong hands. I felt much better. Washington, I don't think is ever going to be a great intermediate receiver because to me, he does get a little bit gun shy, hears footsteps, doesn't like getting hit. And so I 100% will give you that. But this is a guy that I think very clearly has deep ball ability and then i think you can very easily translate him into a quick game receiver as well he's a guy who can separate give you a quick throwing window and then pick up yak and so i do believe him that way the words i use to describe him on the big board uh, like on my um in my notes flanker made put him at the z let him work a guy deep let him hit him on a comeback generate a back shoulder fade all right i've got a niche and then he can give you short to intermediate because he can open up throwing windows are you comfortable with him replacing tory smith if it gets to that would you be happy with oh that heck yeah Oh, yes. Okay. Very much so. And hey, I mean, I've got him, what, it's 30 that I've got him at? All right, so it's good value, too. Yeah, exactly. For you. Right, right. No, I think James Washington, right, James Washington is my wide receiver, too. He's just a notch below Calvin Ridley, and I would comfortably mm-hmm. say that he's kind of like in that Calvin Ridley tier. And then there's also, which Warren's mentioned, obviously Oklahoma State offense helps, but he was exceptionally productive. That yard per catch number is very difficult for that to be aberrative. I'm just going to say it like that. Like, there's got to be value there. Well, it's Big 12. There's a lot of aberrative offense in the Big 12. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. I, and I hate to scout by conference, but what corners is he going up against? I mean, there's like literally no one. I mean, literally TCU. no one. TCU. <laughs> decent secondary Gary TCU Patterson. had a decent defense I agree and they gave Oklahoma State fits for a little bit if I remember yeah they lost that game yeah they did yeah uh one one more question before I'll let you throw it back at me yeah what does James Washington do better than DJ Moore you have at 42 yes DJ Moore wide receiver out of Maryland I think I mean so I would say initially off the tape deep threat and then I would say that route running I do feel probably better about projecting Washington Whereas with DJ Moore, I do still have the similar concerns that I did, which is the sense that I don't think he's as tough through corners. And I don't think he's as like 
physical and able to deal with press. Like, I don't know. The DJ Moore Wisconsin game worries me. Did you watch this game? Mm. Nick Nelson against DJ Moore? I don't think I've seen that okay, one now. Nick Nelson. But I've seen him get off press and I've seen him be physical. He's got good play strength, but go yeah. ahead. Nick Nelson isn't huge. But Nick Nelson disrupted the living daylights out of DJ Moore, right? He gave him some fits. Okay. They, they, they battled back and forth. DJ Moore had some of his wins. I'll put it to you this way. I think that, like, I don't know, dynamic isn't the right word. I don't want to say that powerful is the right word either. I think James Washington is going to be able to threaten bigger corners better than DJ Moore does. I think that James Washington okay. has better high-pointing ability in that regard. And I think that he's able to fight them at the line of scrimmage better. I do. Okay. That's that's your wrong opinion. Uh, yeah. Who do you have uh, from uh, my board that you don't like in my top? There's 50? no way anybody's getting the wide receiver class correct at this point. Like it's oh, it's such a weird class. We were talking about that yesterday. It's so weird. But uh, go ahead, Ben. Okay. Um. Let's see. Okay. I want you to explain to me why you hate Nick Chubb. Which, like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm only 14 spots ahead of you on Nick Chubb. It's not that bad. Like, yeah. What are we? Yeah. yeah it's not. Yeah. It's not terrible. I could also go Mike Gesicki. We're also 14 points different on that one. Let me see. Is there anybody in my t- top 50 I have that you don't really? Not really. Okay, no. Give me Nick So, Chubb. really quick on those two. Yeah. Uh, okay, re- really quick on those two. Mike Gesicki tested like a human, like just a, just a freak of a human, mm-hmm. okay? And he's chiseled up and all that stuff. I'm not going to play him at tight end, which is fine. Mo- be- both me and you, like last draft class, we were saying play Evan Ingram as a big slot. Make him a wide receiver. Right. Why make him do something that he's not that great at? You can have him seal block and maybe scoop block because he's athletic and all that stuff, but he's not going to be hand in the dirt type of guy for me. Same with Mike Gusecki. I like his red zone ability. I like his jump ball ability. The numbers to me on tape, they don't translate to me. In and out breaking routes, I didn't give him enough credit for being as nuanced at the top of his stem uh, with his use of his hands and his ability to separate that way. And I definitely underrated his athletic profile. I don't think all of it translates on the field. So there's the difference between time speed and the play speed for Mm -hmm. me as far as his athleticism goes. I'm still fairly high on Mike Gusecki, way higher than I was. I have him at 28 and you have him up at 18. 18. Yeah. Just behind Dallas Goddard, I have Dallas Goddard as my tight end one as well. He's a little bit lower. He better t- if if he and Pettis both don't test, I'm going to be so upset. And, and Goddard's another guy that the Eagles could be looking at. Look, and these are all guys, luckily, that the Eagles could be looking at. So listen closely, gentle listener. And Nick Chubb, the running back out of Georgia, I'm I'm lower on him. He's got an upright running style. I think he's going to take Nick Chubb is an upright running style. Yeah. If he's not if he's not working through immediate contact like in a in a crease, he can get a little upright, bro. Trust the tape. Okay, I do trust the tape. <laughs> Give me one second. Nick Chubb is is smaller than five eleven. You can't get no, very upright. His, uh, no, I know, I know. No, I'm just saying his his pad level, not not the way he's built, because he's got that low center of gravity, which I love. Right. And he's got those. He's got that balance through contact for sure. I think he takes some some shots that he doesn't need to. Is kind of my thing. I don't think he's di- di- dynamic as a receiver, as a Sony Michelle. And that helps him in that area, too. And we get back and I see the face you're making. You get back to that. Well, what's more important in today's NFL? Well, again, you know, Nick Chubb, to me, isn't as dynamic as like a guy like a Darius Geis as a runner. Like he's more, I don't want to say milk toast. You know what I mean? I don't want to say like he's bland because he does have fantastic power through contact and he's got good enough burst and he tested really well. I mean, that's something that I was surprised with how athletic he was after the injury a year separated from it. I thought he was able to gain a lot of that back. I don't think he got all of that back. If he was Chubb pre-injury, 
he would be a first round lock for me for sure. And I think he would be for a lot of people as well. I don't think he's back to that level of dynamicism as a as as a runner. Well, I think you're wrong. I think having Sonny <laughs> Michelle over Chubb is silly. I think that being upright is a problem if you're upright means that your pads aren't already at five four, which they are. Like, what's the like? He's still gonna like. It's it's not a huge deal. It's just a note. Yeah. It's just a note. I'm I'm, I'm saying he's not the most explosive. Right. And he's a little upright, and I think that's part of it, yeah. but hey. And I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. This is what I like to tell people, which like is mostly kidding, but it's also fun. If you don't like the way Saquon Barkley makes decisions, you can go find his body at like 95% and great decision-making in Nick Chubb. All right, we forget like there are plays where Nick Chubb like bends a corner on outside zone and you're like, how are you doing this? Like you are a 230 pound person with yeah. exceptional yeah. flexibility and then maintenance, maintenance of velocity around the corner. Are you kidding? Hmm. I'm a big he Nick Chubb guy. He very well. I will say that. The reason I brought that yeah. one up is because Nick Chubb is 34 on my board. But when I saw that, I was like, meh. Like, you know, I was, like, upset that he came in that low. Like, I wanted him to be higher. You know what I mean? Because I really like his game. He came in above Sonny, which is correct. And he's my running back four. And I like, you know, Geis, Ronald Jones, and and Saquon above him. All makes sense. I wish he was still able to grade higher. I do have one more I want to throw at you. Okay. I'm going to make an accusation. Are you ready? Oh, boy. You graded Fred Warner too highly because you discovered him. And so now you got to, like, re-up the hype on him. Because 37 is ridiculous. No, 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 no. Oh, yes. It's not because I – look. You're never going to be, you're never, and this is, this is a good lesson. You're never going to be first on a prospect. And just because I told John Ledyard coming into this season from NDTScouting.com that he was going to love Fred Warner and he ended up loving Fred Warner and putting him in his top Humble five linebackers drop, does Ledyard. not mean, <laughs> does, does not mean that I have to put him higher than I, I think he's the modern NFL linebacker and I think he's surprisingly good and strong at stacking and shedding. And this is a fluid dude. They had him playing at overhang and in the slot and doing all types of stuff. And when I saw him actually getting some reps inside the box, I was super impressed. That's what I want from my linebacker in today's NFL. And I was about to throw at you, pick one guy outside of my top 50 that you would, that you would really hope would fall to the Eagles later on in the draft. And I was looking directly at Fred Warner when you asked me that question for that very reason. Why do you hate Fred Warner? Why do you like, why do you hate athletic corner or athletic linebackers that can, cover tight ends and cover wide receivers okay and also stack and shit against the run okay so like number one first i have a question for you is he a sam or a will because you said he's good at stacking and you like him in space what, what, what he's we're not fan, you know he, okay he's not fantastic at stacking i'm right. saying he's good and he's better than expected for a guy with that athletic profile which i really value but I, w- I would probably put him at will yeah okay so we agree on will which i would I w- i'll put it this way I'm very down with them bringing in Fred Warner in the event that they lose Nigel Bradham. Right. The thing is, Bradham plays Sam, and I don't think you want to put Michael Kendricks there, which would mean you're putting Fred Warner at Sam. If you're putting Fred Warner at Sam, I think you'll be fine, but you would... That would mean Malcolm Jenkins is spending very little time in the box because Fred Warner is doing all this coverage stuff, right? And Fred Mm -hmm, Warner mm -hmm. graded out very nicely for me on coverage, Mike. I didn't think he was as as strong of a stacker as I wanted him to be. I thought he was much more of a gap shooter from the backside. And in that way, he does give me the, he gives me the vibe where very often from the will, when he's met, when he's scraping and he's met with resistance, he doesn't work over the top nearly as well as I want him to. And he'll try to duck underneath and run himself out of plays. And so now I'm at the point where if I put him at will, I have a problem. And I put him at Sam, I have a problem. And that's why I kind of get 
tricky with him. And that's why, you know, evaluating linebackers for 32 teams is very difficult because yeah. linebackers are, are not only deployed very differently, but they're asked to do different things depending on the defensive coordinator. If we stick Eagle specific, I think Warner gets a bump up my board than uh, compared to where I currently have him. I currently have Fred Warner at 60 overall, which is, sec- which is solid. second round grade, right? That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a good time. I would imagine they, they bring him in at Sam and then you're asking, I see it's tricky because if you bring him in at Sam, he's got to take on blocks very quickly. Yeah, you might want to add some bulk to his frame. Right, exactly. And I mean, yeah. he came in at 236, so he can play Sam, right? Which is good. Yeah, he's yeah. got good size. Yeah. And then arm length, 32, a little short, but you know, that's part of the stacking problem. It's tricky. It, it's, a, it's a different evaluation as far as where we land on Fred Warner. I, I get it if they brought him in. Yeah, and the inter- the interesting thing with Warner is, I mean, again, look at our linebacker situation. If Bradham isn't back, who are our three linebackers three years from now? So it's not necessarily a we need this right now. We need him to play this position. I mean, it, a little a little bit of it is. But at the same time, you're looking ahead for the future too, and you can put him in his ideal spot as we go along. He is going to have to train his eyes a little bit. I agree with you there, the way that he scrapes, but... Uh, anything else standing out to you before we uh, before we get out of here? Because it's getting a little hot and heavy in here, brother. Oh no! Very true. Very true. <laughs> I want to remain friends. Oh no, dude! It's big board fight episode. What what happens in big know, board fight it. episode stays in big board fight episode. Outside of your top fifty, I was looking at Fred Warner. I'm looking at Jordan Whitehead at sixty five, and if Patrick Robinson isn't back, I'm looking at MJ Stewart and Duke Dawson, mm-hmm. the Duke Dawson, the cornerback out of Florida. MJ Stewart out of North Carolina. DJ Chark, man, if he falls to like, he's not going to fall though. He's 6'3, 439. You know what I mean? Yeah, NFL teams are going to look at three numbers and then draft him and then wonder why they fell into another LSU wide receiver trap. (laughs) Well, like Odell? Yeah, just like Odell and Jarvis Landry. Uh, so I will say this. Oh, Jarvis Landry in a 4'7. He's one of the slowest human beings playing wide receiver right now. I will say this. PPR welfare queen. Go ahead. Let's play a game, which I hope we get to play more seriously in the future, where we assume the Eagles get have a second and a third round pick. And so they're actually drafting some of these players who are like 60, 70 on my board, because as of right now, they don't have a second or third or anything like that. Right. At, with every passing day, I get more into the idea of Philadelphia drafting a young safety, because I look at yep. cap cuts that I might make in 2019. And Rodney McLeod's name shows up. McLeod is not paying to his contract that he got with, uh, when he came over from the Rams. Simply isn't. And uh, Malcolm Jenkins on the south side of 30 at this point, And he takes most of his snaps at linebacker or slot corner. So mm-hmm. I think very much so Philadelphia would be smart to bring in a young safety to at least play behind Jenkins uh, at the single high position. Get some range back there. And if not that, then maybe bring in a guy to back up Jenkins as more of a traditional strong safety. Mike. Jordan Whitehead, you brought up a uh, player at 60, 65, uh, yep. is very interesting, uh, especially because he's got a bit of a checkered past. And so you probably could get him round two and around two round three is a situation where he could come in. Uh, exceptional range. One of the most rangy safeties in this class. We're probably talking Derwin and then Kaiser White and Jordan Whitehead are kind of right there as far as guys who have exceptional range from the single high and position. And he can thump too. For Whitehead? a rangy guy, he can thump like those. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Apke is another guy. Troy Apke, this this uh, this hero of the combine, is a guy who can run and hit. Can't cover worth a lick, but that's okay. Uh, so he's another guy. He's single high. He'd be like round four, sort of a situation. Then, if you're talking more box safeties, more uh, you know, guys who can do a lot of different things, which I think is very uh-huh, interesting. Uh-huh. And I think Philadelphia is going to be a team that's that's very locked in on that. 
because yeah. they've seen the value of Jenkins recently. We talked a little bit about uh, Justin Reed out of, out of Stanford in the last episode. How about... Talk about my boy. Jeremy, talk about my boy. No, we already talked about Justin Reed. No. I want to talk about Jeremy Reeves out of South Alabama. Yeah, okay. I was thinking, I was thinking you were going to go Ronnie Harrison, but I, I, like, I like Jeremy Reeves. He was excellent in the Senior Bowl game. Go ahead. Ronnie Harrison's going to be gone by 32. Hot yeah. take, oh. Ben. Hot take, Ben. Beginning of March. <laughs> no, probably not. Like, you know, it's a safety. They're not going to value him. But he's very good. And I would I would imagine yeah. he's gone in the top half of the second. Jeremy Reeves, Jaguars, South Alabama, combine snub, senior bowl player. They're not a position, like, very Minka-esque. Not a position on the secondary where I'm uncomfortable playing him. I think he's the ideal you know, dime linebacker to strong safety to slot corner, reactionary quickness off the charts. He has me very excited. It was, I'll put it to you this way. It was very fun to put together my board and scroll through all these guys I just given athletic testing to. And then see Jeremy Reeves was still a top 75 player and be like, heck yeah, Jeremy Reeves, way to be. Because right nice. now he's just got average, like, if I don't have a player's athletic testing, I'll guesstimate their athleticism and just put it in to kind of get a feel for where they belong. Right. And right now he just has average safety. Like, you know, 50th percentile, 40-yard, 50th percentile, short shuttle, whatever. Let's say, you know, South Alabama Pro Day comes out and he gets good good testing, you know, 70 percentile across the board, good athlete, which he very well could mm. be. I think short shuttle is going to be great. Three cone is going to be great. He's going to climb. I'm really excited about Jeremy Reeves. And I would love a Jeremy Reeves pick at the end of round two. I think it would be a lot of fun. Man, what else do we have for the gentle, gentle listeners? This was exhausting. Yeah, big board fight. Yeah, I told you I came to play. I was feisty today. I'm going to be so nice for like the rest of the month. All right. Thank you so much for listening, gentle listeners. This was the Big Board Fight episode. For all of you listening, I won, clearly. But if you, <laughs> you how you vote as to who won is you go to my timeline on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak, and you tweet at me and you say, you won. And that's how you vote. If, if you... There's no way to vote for Mike. There's just only voting for Ben. And so... If you if you think that Ben won, you can at me, you cowards. Okay, so add Benjamin Solak on Twitter. Tell him who you think won. <laughs> You're only allowed to say Ben. Uh, that's, of course, Michael Kist on Twitter, at MichaelKistNFL. Don't tweet at losers who lose big board fights, because obviously, like, that's... I don't know. Don't do it. We thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been the Kist and Solak Show here with BG and Radio. We're excited to continue giving you the best off-season Philadelphia Eagles content we possibly can. Very excited for the league new year on Wednesday. So, of course, going to be a lot of cuts, a lot of trades, a lot of movements. We'll have another free agency primer for you guys talking about who got cut recently, if they could be potential targets for the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll continue to break live trade news on the on air whenever i see it on twitter like you know when these things happen but either way it's all the offseason coverage you could possibly need for the philadelphia eagles thank you so much for stopping by we all we got we all we need fly eagles fly